This episode is brought to you by Santos Threads. Make sure to visit Santos-Threads for the latest and greatest in men's and women's Latino urban-inspired streetwear. Visit santos-threads.com. Hey, you are now listening to the Santos Says Podcast, episode number 37. Once again, back with you. Happy to be here, of course. Time goes by when you're having fun. And um, on this episode, I have a special guest with me. Uh, this person is a fellow podcaster. She is... Um, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. Before we get to that, make sure you, uh, if you're watching on the YouTube, hit the like, the subscribe, the whole thing, of course. Thank you, guys. And make sure you follow me on social media, Instagram, Santos Threat Shop, uh, TikTok, Santos Threat Shop, and away we go. If you're watching on YouTube, hit the like, subscribe, comment, share it, the whole thing. All right. Once again with you, episode number 37. On this episode, I have a special guest with me. She goes by the name of Jovi D. Now, she is not only a podcaster. She she came from the broadcasting world. She is a Latinx slash Afro-Latina advocate. She's got great experience, great uh, perspective, and I'm going to talk to her about her career, about her life, her experiences, and of course, like as you know, um, as you all know, this is the uh, as part of Women's History Month. Um, as part as women's as part of Women's History Month, I thought she'd be a great guest to have on uh, here, and I will be conversing with her momentarily as she will join me on this. Um, she has a lot of, a lot to say. She's got great opinions. And I, um, not only that, I actually had the privilege of joining her on one of her podcasts. Uh, she has one of the podcasts. She has two podcasts. One of her podcasts is called Chombita Chronicles. And I had the pleasure of speaking with her. I did the interview mostly in Spanish on that interview. And, um, she was gracious enough to have me on there, and I really appreciate having her, um, her having me on her platform. And I wanted to have her here because, quite frankly, I, I, I am a fan of what she does, and I feel like she offers great perspective. And so, for that reason, I think it's it's a, it's great to uh, build and connect with people like this. So, it's funny, you know, one of the things that we in this life, when we're when we're podcasting, first of all, I didn't know how long I would be doing the podcasting thing. I've it turns out that I really enjoy doing it. So, but when you're on this journey, you come across all kinds of wonderful people when you when you scroll through social media. And um Jovi was one of those people for me who, you know, when I I came across her through a, a mutual friend, um, through actually yeah, through a mutual friend named Moso. You guys might have seen him. I've done podcasts uh, with him in the past. And through him, and, you know, we connected. And um, and so that's when she invited me to her. Uh, to, she invited me to her platform, and we were able to go from there. So I really enjoy, that's one of my favorite things and the most underrated aspects of this whole journey, if you will, is the connections that you build. Not just business connections, but you build personal relationships with all kinds of people. It's not just about business. It's not just about, oh, well, 
you know, let me have you on my platform to see what engagement I get. You have me on your platform to see what engagement you get. No, I think it, it, it comes to being colleagues and mutual, having that mutual respect. And I, I think that camaraderie that I've been able to share in is something I did not expect. And quite frankly, was a pleasant surprise for me. And so I've made good friends uh, in this industry or, or in this practice um, of podcasting, which again, I didn't come from a communications background. I didn't come from a podcasting background. It was something I wanted to do. I had aspirations to do it, but um, certainly it was not something I, I had in my plans. And so it, it, it turned out for the better, you know, you know, some of those relationships that you make along the way, that was one of the underrated aspects of this. And so, um, I tell people all the time, like I'm a clothing guy masquerading as a podcaster, but I didn't realize that I would enjoy it as much as I have or as much as I do. So, um, it, it's a beautiful thing. It really is. And, and with Joe VD, one of the things I liked about her because, and we're going to talk about this. Um, we're going to talk about her career. We're going to also talk about some Afro, Afro Latino slash Afro Latinx issues because with her perspective, I, I always value the perspective of others and, and really hearing what people have to say. And on this topic is something very interesting to me. It's, it's very, um, it means, it means a lot to me as well, because I I'm all for the culture. When it, when I say culture, I mean the Latino slash Latinx, and I'm all for unifying. I'm all for having us all together, uh, not dividing. I'm all about unification. And so for me, it's always a, it's always been a thing for me, even growing up uh, in New York city, you know, seeing all the different people, you're surrounded by all kinds of people from all walks of life, races, creeds, religions, all kinds of uh, backgrounds. And so I always had a sense of togetherness and community. You know, you get on the train with like a million people, you know, people from like a hundred different countries on one crowded train. And, and, you know, that would be a reality. And so for me, I always was someone who looked at uh, unity as a thing that was what I valued the most. Uh, unity is something that is very important to me. And so not just with the Latinos, obviously, but in the, in the whole entire world with all of us. And so I try to find commonalities as opposed to finding differences. That was always my thing. So that's where I'm at with that. Now, without further delay, the person of the hour, the guest, I want to welcome here my guest. And again, it is Women's History Month, so it is very fitting to have this person, someone who I respect, uh, someone who has great background, great perspective. Uh, she has two podcasts, not just one. She has two, okay? She comes from the broadcasting world. She is a Latina, an Afro-Latina. She is, viene con sabor. And of course, also, Panameña. So we already know. Here we go. Welcome to the show, Joey D. Hey, welcome, welcome. Como estas, Como estas? Thank you for having me here. Thank you for your audience. Hola, hola a todos. Y como dijo, <laughs> como dijo, como están? Can you, can you hear me well? 
Yes, yes, I hear you perfect, clearly, perfectly clear. Awesome. Um, I, so what I was saying in my introduction really was how, what was fascinating to me, you know, I was saying how building these relationships, building the connections that we do, right? And and that I, w- I was saying that you were gracious enough to have me on your platform, which, oh, of course. which I appreciated. And I, I also talked about that. Um, so we'll start. So I appreciate that. Thank you. I was saying how you're so versatile. So we'll talk about that, right? We'll talk about that. But I guess before anything, let's go into to you, right? Yo, we did. Yes, yes. You tell us about where you come from. Well, definitely. Well, let's start from the beginning. That's a good question. And I see in Panama. I was born in Panama. I hope I can drop some couple of words here in Espanol. This is your show. Este tu programa. You know, I do this. I, I told you, like I told you offline, I do this mostly in I do it in English, like 99% of it. But, but you know, each show is different. So this show is going to have that bilingual element. Go ahead. Yes, because I usually, if you have, have a chance, whenever you have a chance uh, to listen to my podcast, Chomita Chronicles, it's in Spanglish. There's episodes in Spanish completely. Oh, there's episodes in English. Because it's kind of like the representation of who I am. I'm, I'm representing myself. I was born in Panama. I allocated in Miami my family and then i'm living right now in la i know it's a lot going on here but as that's how that's the short version of it i'm panamania you know i was born and raised over there i love my country the last time i was out there it was in 2017 and i kind of miss it so pretty soon and uh you know sharing the same experience like everybody else with this panini i call it panini <laughs> whatever we're going through but, right we getting through and um, and yeah, then I allocated myself in Miami. I ended up going to college in, in South Florida. That's where I, I remember that I studied business administration, but then as an only child, I'm gonna speak for myself. I felt like I just wanted to do something different. And I was like, I could have been an accountant, an auditor and I'm like, all these great careers, but I'm like, I need to like spice it up, make friends. I don't know, you know, and I was like, I want to study TV production. And needless to say, I, I, I definitely did that. And oh my God, it was just amazing. It was a lot because also I come, I would not call myself first gen, but I had the experience of a first gen, second gen. In this country, my mom worked two jobs, trying to, you know, put, you know, putting a roof over her head, food and everything, like a single mom. And I had to really figure out a lot of things on my own. And I I literally ended up paying my own way through college. It took me about 10 years. And um, and you know, at one point you want to give up but I could not give up. And um, I stick to what I wanted to do and with, you know, support. And at the time I started also working, I started intern, my internship, working my way in Univision at the time. So I had to figure it out, you know, do you do both? Work full time, go to school, study, and um, just be persistent and believe in yourself. 
it has been a long, long process. And, um, you know, I'm here to just definitely make the best out of it. So it is interesting you say that, right? Because like one, two things I wanted to ask you first, how did you get wind up in Miami? Like, what was it that made you go to Miami? Obviously Miami is probably the most Latino city, right? In the United States, right? Without, without question, most Spanish speaking. So what made you go to Miami first? Okay. Um, I ended up in Miami because my mom, my family resided there. Well, they located first um, in New York, but then everybody kind of started figuring out their way. And my mom, my uncle, they resided in Florida. And that's how I ended up in Florida, Miami. And it's true what you said, Santos. Miami is, I love it. It's a different ecosystem. I love LA too as well. It's two different worlds, and I will not lie to you. The culture shock was definitely very big on me. Um, now I have a word, which is Afro-Latina, but at, at the time when I got to Miami, that narrative of divide and conquer, separate yourself from Black Americans or don't, you know, I changed my apparel from gold to silver. Like, a lot of things were happening where people would look at me. I I felt still overall embraced by the black African community, by Latinos also well, but it's in a different, I would say in a different scale. That's my experience. I can speak about it because people will tell me, oye, tu eres cubano, tu eres venezolano. Any, there was more sense of awareness in Miami of Latin people, black, black Latinos. Right, right. Of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, the Caribbean, the Caribbean influence, you know, Central America, South America. Yeah. Aside of New York, aside of, what do you say? You know, and then coming to- Parts of Massachusetts, there's little pockets, you know, you got Massachusetts, you got little parts of Pennsylvania, maybe, but overall, right? Miami is a good landing spot. I will say definitely, you know, definitely. Definitivamente, definitely. Sí. So, you know, I felt acogida, warm. And I miss that, you know. Anyhow, I I was able to navigate. I was able to see myself. I was able to really pursue what we, what we would call the American dream. And they told me, study, get a good job, and you know, you're gonna come through. And that's what I did. And um and needless, you know, I started as an intern, working in broadcasting, figuring out my world. My originally, my dream was to become a, a producer, as a matter of wow. fact. And here we are, fast forward. I am a producer. I've heard you say that, though. I've heard you say, you mentioned it on your podcast before. I'm a podcast producer, but, you know, God has such a great plan. He's like, yeah, I'm taking notes, but we're going to hold on to that one for a little while. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's interesting you say that because I, I've said that before too. Like I never thought I'd be doing this. Like this was not even, a, I didn't, I didn't go to school for this. This was not something I had in my mind. And so I used to get told, people told me all the time, like, Hey, you know, you will be good at doing this. I'm like, good at what? Why? Because I like to talk. And it's like, they're like, yeah, do it. And I'm like, all right, fine. So, but Right. But but for you as somebody who, who went to school, to me, see, 
what I respect about your case, and you can tell me about this. You can't you went from Panama to Miami. Okay. A million people have that experience similar to that part. But the fact that you valued education and you were able to go into school and you knew, like, you knew already what you wanted to do, like, como que, o sea, ya tú tenías eso en mente, como que tú soñabas con eso. Bueno, bueno, qué bueno que tú me dices eso y qué, qué buena la observación. Yo sabía, I knew that by the time I finished high school, la secundaria, you know, you graduated. Right, right. And I was like, I was good at accounting, as I say, finance, and I still love it to this day. I do <laughs> good budgets and financial, but I knew that I was like, I am, how you call it, like extroverted, but introverted. Like I can tell. I can tell. You know, I knew that already. I knew that about you because you have a, go ahead, explain, but I knew it. I could tell I read people well, yes. Right, right. So that means like in outer settings, social settings, I am, they tell me like a social butterfly. I talk to people, but at the same token, I'm a very retreat loner, you know, and I'm comfortable with that. And, you know, the broadband and my energy can really expand, but then I retreat. I retreat. <laughs> I go to my own space and um, it's, it's, that's, you know, I can come out also a little bit socially awkward, but in good intentions, in good intentions about my personality. Yeah, listen, it, it takes, I tell people, look, I always believe this. You never really know who you are. Like, you will never finish knowing who you are and you're going to continue to evolve. If you already know who you are and you're like, this is me and I'm going to be this way forever, then something is wrong, right? You're always evolving. So I think like maybe there is a shy aspect to you, right? Yeah. But, but you're able to navigate through it. It doesn't, it doesn't hinder you from being, you know, once they get to know you, you let people in a little bit and you say, okay, right? But, but, pero what happens? You're like, no, hasta aquí llego. That's it, right? <laughs> That's it. I, I, I've been, especially like lately, five, 10 years, I protected a lot of my space and energy. I've been like, no, this is, a, you know, my space, my time. Is really important. But coming back to, like you said, how did I land in? I felt for the same reason, like you said, I'm an only child. I always been, I always, always been able to be around um, because I was raised with my grandmother, my abuelita, my abuelita. So I was around grownups. So right. the conversations that I would have is like grown up talk, but I'm a young person. I was, and yeah. people were like, I would not relate for a long time with people of my age, I will relate to people older than I was. You know, I had that conversation kind of scale, like small talk right now, currently, it just doesn't do it for me. Give me something deep that I can think about, elaborate. I spent quite a bit of my twenties uh, with self-help books, you know, curiosity, understanding I had always questions like por qué esto por qué mm -hmm. aquello and this you know this need that i had to learn i like to learn i like to read i question you know the parallels of thinking you know and that's that's what i was going through so yeah very dirty, <laughs> very dirty. <laughs> no no listen that there's nothing wrong with questioning things and i always have a joke like 
I have a joke with, with people who know me growing up. I was like, I got kicked out of the Catholic church because I asked too many questions. <laughs> Imagine, of all the places, right, Santos, right? Right, right. Um, I, I'm just kidding, but all jokes aside, I question things a lot. That's my, my point is I always question things. Like I even, yeah, like quietly that I ask questions even about that too, yeah. Not to go too deep into religion, but what I'm saying is that's my point. My point is you can question anything you want to is my point with as long as you have respect about it and yes. you're not, right? right? So you are right to do that. There's nothing wrong with questioning. That's my point. Um, so getting back to, to you, right? What you were doing in, in, so in Miami, so you're going through Miami and then you mentioned this, <laughs> that's what I mean. right? Here's, here's the thing, how the shock between Miami and Los Angeles. So tell us how you get to Los Angeles and what is that like? Because that's not, that's night and day. Well, let's, let's like, okay. From Panama to the United States, that was a shock, a culture shock, because it's not that I did not know that I was black and all of this. Of course, you know, I was brought up in a, in a household where actually my family was speaking English before Spanish. Anybody who knows the history of Panama, that shouldn't be surprising, but. Yeah, because of the great influence of a lot of West Indies, which were former now. English uh, colonies, they came to um, complete the railroad and obviously the canal. So that's when they end up, because it was start, it started with the French. The French were not able to complete the project. Um, I'm not gonna get into history now, but then the Americans took over and then they needed, you know, the workforce. And that's why, that's how it came about. So then I'm an example of a Panamanian that have a Jamaican grandmother or Grenadian grandfather. And, and you know, that's kind of somewhat the narrative and that spec. So Panama, yeah. United States, Miami, uh, then Miami, LA. And that was an adjustment there. I lived there for a while. I did all my college and everything. Like I said, I started my career there. And then Miami, LA was another <laughs> shocker. Yeah. Completely where people like, ¿Y por qué tú hablas español? Oh, ¿Qué bien lo hablas? And you're like, wait a minute. This is the number one Spanish speaking market broadcast wise, LA. New York, Miami, and so on, and Chicago. And I was like, wait, did I miss something? And I'm like, and just, it just literally was just, you know, changing my, my world completely. And I was like, I ended up learning, obviously, especially in LA, that there's a generation of Mexican-Americans, Salvadorians that, you know, they go through a fourth, fifth generation, and it's, the reason that their parents, you know, this decided that they were not going to learn Spanish or they were not going to even, you know, embrace their culture. So you hear Rodriguez Garcia, but that person does not speak English or they're not related completely. It was just a shock, shock to understand wow. the whole makeup ecosystem over here. So like you, you're saying like, um, you mean that, that didn't speak Spanish, right? Like Rodriguez. Yeah, Rodriguez or Garcia, right? Right, and then they're like they're Latinos, they're Hispanic, but then I remember there was a kind of like you know in the early nineties, you even remember that there was kind of like a riff. They're like, who's gonna be? Who is to say who is more Hispanic or who is Latino 
may that you speak the language or not, if you're embracing your culture, the food, the you know, who is to say? You know, now we know better. Right, right. We but do. Then that, that constant narrative, like you see, you see how history repeats itself, like the narrative of divide and conquer, divide and conquer among ourselves, divide and conquer among other groups, you know, communities. And it's like, la fuerza está entre el pueblo, la gente. We need to just get together, black and brown. Yeah, yeah. That That's the thing too. Yeah, that bothers me. And I, I'm glad you brought that up because what a lot of people don't understand, right, is for a lot of non-Latino people who live in middle America. So let's say people, some random family that lives in Nebraska, they think that all Latinos are basically Mexicans, right? With all due respect to our Mexican brothers, but I'm just saying, like, they think that we're all like that, that that's us and that's it, right? There is no Afro-Latino, Afro-Latino, what's that? <laughs> yeah, that's the rest of Latin America. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And if you were to do a poll, if you were to do a real census, not a fake census, because the fake census, you can check off and make yourself whatever you want to be. That's a, that's not that's a bogus census. Right. You go to it's, it's like the same thing. Right. Like you get it. You go to the census. People check off. Oh, they're white. Every people. There's people who are black or are mixed who check off white. Right. Yes. Whatever. Yes. Yes. There's an article of white Latinos. Yes. <laughs> who check off white. They check off white, and so the numbers are skewed. Um, so what is it that you, I guess since I'm, I'm kind of bouncing around a little bit, but what I guess like what is it that you feel like having that experience you had, seeing that, hey, have you felt like an obligation to educate people about not only about Panama, about where you come from, but also about the distinctions like, hey, listen, yes, we are all Latinos, right? But there are little subcategories of us, and it's okay because we all encompass one big piece, you know? Well, like the story is ending. I've been working in media and broadcasting, and obviously, what was projected in what you see. And obviously, if you know about the content that most, what do we have? Two networks. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm going to just, you know, and the content. When Go you ahead. See, when you see the novelas and you see anything is at least 10 years ago, you know that really the only person that was there was maybe Tony Andrade and Ilia Calderon, and that was it. Yeah. And thank God now, you know, it unfortunately had to happen based on what happened to George Floyd, that it just really brought more consciousness to our inner circle among Latinos, like say, this is the conversation that we need to have. We need Absolutely. To have Absolutely. Elephant in the room. I told you that. Remember when I went on your show, I told you we need to have this conversation. We need to have this conversation. And thank God, you know, we are having it. We are fostering. We are educating each other. When I, the LA thing came about because also at work, the microaggressions, now I have a definition to it, it was just very resistant, resistant of, um, okay, you are our boss, uh, you are black, and you have this accent. So when you have this accent, it means that you don't know anything, or maybe you're not bright enough, instead of, oh, maybe she has, she speaks more than one language. And I ended up winning those, my employees or at the time, but it was very difficult. They were like, well, why are you in this position? Who brought you here? Mm. Why this? What? It's like, 
And I was like, oh my God. And I felt like at one point I really wanted to just really quit and leave Santos. I was like, I'm running away. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to deal with this. But this, this was my dream. I said, I want to become a manager. But then entailing the etiquette of business and supervising and leading people, it was quite a challenge. But I took, I took upon the challenge and then I say, you know what? I'm going to run myself with integrity above everything. I'm going to let my job, my work speak for itself. And as I said, there was a turnaround. And for the positive, for, for the company itself, for the employees, they end up becoming happier the way that I obviously they've decided to go about things. But I definitely, I was like proving myself todo el tiempo. Like, yeah. hey, eres tan educada, you know, you have all these degrees and it's like, oh my God. And the word was, when I got to LA, it was like, LA is either three, you're black, you're white, or you're Mexican. That's mm -hmm. it. There's nothing in between. And I'm not saying that I wasn't embraced, but I was always, and this is even way before, from the moment, like, I find my space finally with the Afro-Latina community, Afro-Latinx community. I was like, finally, I am where I'm supposed to be because I've been living in like two or three worlds. Like I say, I mean, Americana, American, Latina, and then black, but right. then you end up blending or patching yourself everywhere. And you're like, I don't fit here. No. Where do I fit? Okay. This is like, this is where I'm supposed to be. I'm like, and I feel, amazing amazing i'm like finally finally i you know it's funny and and i love you know i i love that because i i seen you know i've seen the progression you know i've seen it i've seen, it's happened slowly Ooh. now there's still a lot of work to be done <laughs> like like what you talked about with the with the novela with the telenovelas which Me. i've mentioned to you in the past um you know, and there's a lot of parallels, right? With your, with you, with your career, because like you've said, you've talked about how you have felt like you've had to prove yourself. I'm sure those actors and actresses, they're afraid in a lot of instances because they're like, I don't look like what they cast, right? Yes. What is, what is it that you, what do you think right now about the current landscape? Because I, I find Telemundo is like, I've seen, I've seen more Afro Latinos on Telemundo than I would see on Univision, typically. But it's it just it ebbs and flows. It's never enough. It's kind of, you know, it's still not enough, but it, it kind of ebbs and flows. But I feel like what I've seen with Univision historically has not been. And again, you don't have to go, you know, because I know you, you know, you came from there, so you don't have to go too crazy. But <laughs> okay, no, um, well, you know, the Univision has two channels. You know, um, I'm not a spokesperson. I I just no, I know, but for, for what I know, because I've been there for a while. And I obviously I made most of my best coworkers in that area. I invested almost 15 years there. Um, the good news is that they're learning. Now we have um, Amara La Negra and I think other representatives and Unimas, they have this um, other younger girl. What happened is it all comes out, it all comes down to ownership. That's why everybody's like, create your own, let's create our own spaces. Mm -hmm. um, I believe in projects like um, this 
creator and filmmaker, Nadia Simone with Black Tina, creating spaces for ourselves. I'm like, if we're going to sit down and say, okay, well, Universal doesn't make novelas for us. Well, can we create our own novelas? Can mm -hmm. we fund our own novelas and projects and production? We can, you know, I'm like, we have Netflix. We have all these stream services and platforms that nobody's really stopping us. Um, there's this great girl that she created a cartoon that is called Hella Black Mexican. And also it's about her journey because she's black, she's Mexican and also Dominican. But, you know, and it just takes it for another level because her mom is a person that looks like you, Santos, and it's just going through that journey of identity. She said, if I'm going to sit down and wait to somebody create a cartoon or an animation about a brother, I'm like, I'm not going to wait. I'm going to create it myself. Okay. And what we need to take back that lead and control. Um, it's, yes, it is very difficult for, for people to invest or believe in our projects, but really, technically, nobody's stopping you. And that's where podcast kind of came as a venture, as a channel for me to say, okay, I may not exactly be, but it's an extension of what I, you know, live projected because I did the programming, but I studied, you know, the craft and the skills and then podcast came about and I was like, this is perfect. This is exactly what I need because I like the sense of people to hear my voice, uh, my diction. I don't mind being on camera, but then I believe that I bring that closeness when I, when I, you know, share these stories that we have Afro-Latinos historians, we have Afro-Latinos filmmakers and musicians but then when you come to my show chambita chronicles it's like you hear the historic events but these are the stories of the people that went through these moments in their space being the experience of being afro-latino or being multicultural you have a chinese nicaragüense you have a puerto rican dominican you know a variety of people or mexican black and the stories are it can go in different ways because then it's ethnicity, but it's an experience that we share among us. Yeah, no, it, and I'm glad you brought that up. So, you know, talk to me about obviously you have two podcasts. So, yeah. tell everybody the distinction between the two different podcasts. Obviously, I know because I've heard them both. Okay. So just okay. Originally, I started in 2017 or late 2017, early 2018. Yeah, I think so. December of 2017, I think I dropped my first episode. Like I said, the first one is like, oh, but I got started. That's the point. I started that one because about business etiquette, um, conduct, seeing that regardless of what I went through in the period of five years, I lost or I got laid off like three times. It was, I still was able to muster some kind of success because I was like, okay, I think I have an understanding. I'm not going to take this personal, but I need to share. I need to share my experience with others for them not to be caught up in this space. Because what happened to me was social media was launching big around 2013. And I fell into the cracks by being in a company because my concept on understanding, okay, now they tell you when you get a job, 
be there for what two or three years and if you don't see yourself growing move somewhere else mm -hmm. the information that i got was make sure that you get a job and stick to that one no matter what ah yeah <laughs> you know and we're we're just seeing the changes over and over but i was able to survive as i said at the end of the day it was a great company i went through 9-11 the 2008 housing crisis and whatever you navigate but i that was the epic that was the moment that i wanted to share professionally joby d show because i am not a business owner i have never been an entrepreneur i think i have tried definitely venturing and creating because i as i said if i mentioned earlier i used to read a lot of books and then you you, you hear should. about you can and you should because I know. you, you, you can and you i'm telling you you should and then <laughs> the thing it was saying which is true especially i i know that maybe going a lot of places but the thing is having one income is just not feasible anymore mm -hmm. and that was like the epic like when i i i was i became a homeowner i got laid off and everything and then i think back and say if i had another income i could have maybe kept my house and you know we tie so many things under one basket of income or resources and then we have to expand and have the backup of the backup of the backup so anyways that's how i started with joby day show i said where's the best way that i can resource myself and get other entrepreneurs to explain to me their experiences how their mentality because it's a mindset and that's how i started the joby day show i'm like okay i'm gonna get these people to tell me how you became a sales are you a born leader or is this a born business person a born entrepreneur and that's how I ventured. And I I found an amazing community of other podcasters uh, through Anchor, the Anchor app. That's how it started. And then somewhere like around two years after, I was like, should I try something in Spanish? Because everybody's like, well, your accent, Joby, your accent. And actually one of my hashtags is I do it all with my with an accent. So I was like, make turn it around and you know, make it your own power, power to yourself. So I was like, cool, let me try. And that's how the Chombita Chronicles started. But it was really to show and demonstrate that Latinos fall in different spectrums and different lights and, you know, not what we see, you know, not everybody, Sofia Vergara, sorry, Sofia, I love you. No, you're right, you're nobody, right. Nobody's J-Lo and then, you know, and then when I saw Amara La Negra or, or even Christine, Christina Milian, and you know, then you learn about here and there, other Afro Latinos. But I was like, we need to speak more about this because the thing is that they never have the space to. Never. And then even recently, Ilia Calderon, the anchor, she was originally in Telemundo and then she transferred to Univision actually around the same time that I started. <laughs> and she just recently came out with a book saying, now is my turn right you know, after so many finally the timing was like okay i'm going to speak about it now yeah chief yeah because think about her position too right when she's you can that's another part that nobody pays attention to and i understand why i don't blame you could commit career suicide 
Yes. If you are not careful, you will be blackballed forever. Yes. Okay. And that is the slippery slope. Now, some people have done things like that in America, right? In general, there's people we've seen, you know, we've seen Colin Kaepernick. Um, we've seen now, what is it? The head coach, Brian Flores, también. You know, he got a job. He got a job. Yeah, he did, but he's not going to be, he's probably never going to be a head coach. He's doing the, the league. You know, it's different. He took, what I'm saying is he took a chance yes. on what he believes in, right? Yes. Um, You see that all the time. So that's something that we don't pay attention to, but it's it's to be commended in a way. So Ilya picked the perfect, she picked the perfect time to do that. And so do you feel, now here we go, here goes the question for you. Obviously you mentioned ownership, which is a huge thing. Nobody brings up ownership enough. I think that is huge. Owning, yeah, yeah. Ownership is everything. When you think back, what is it, what people are, are gravitating to? Having land, property, assets, that gives you generational wealth. Well, then how you how do you get started? Right, right. If you really... Sometimes, I don't know if you have the opportunity to learn even about your family, you know, that you heard, I've heard stories about my family that they, they were owning land, you know, they end up selling it. But then th that, the saying also that tells you do not sell grandma's house right. because there's, there's, you know, equity, that, things that you can build upon and, you know, help your family along. If, but then again, financial literacy instead of, you know, it's just so many factors. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Um, so you you think now, obviously, the tide is starting to turn a little bit. I think, I, right? You it, think the tide is turning. People are speaking out and wanting to learn. I think um, generational millennials and Gen Z has done an amazing job, amazing job in speaking up, in definitely, you know, putting the work and then being supported by, by persons like me, Gen, Gen, Gen X. So, um, and there's more voices, the bloggers, I, I definitely believe that they, they have help. And I took it upon, I would never say that I did the podcast for a hobby. I did it for journalizing my own questions, my own insecurities, like, I think I don't, I'm not the only one that feels this way, but my underlining or my silver lining was, I was in corporate. I was in spaces where I was the only either black person, woman in these spaces. And I was like, wait a minute, I need to really reassess because if I see somebody else that looks like me, usually they're in a space of service help and i right. was like whoa whoa what happened i'm like and and i get it because now i do the thing is that somebody says well like i think just recently i think there's a there's a viral uh situation that's going on with kick kardashian's like well if you need to get your yourself together you just have to work um it's not that easy lady mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, it, it all comes also I'm she was like, born rich Exactly. It's a generational thing. I'm like, how many generations it, it took your family to get to where their Kardashians mm -hmm. are? So how many, you know, generations from my family, by the time I came around, we were not exactly poor, but we were working class, middle class. 
But then my family foresee that, you know, the next step was to be offered at the time to go to, to come to the United States and so on. But then for somebody that is really, really poor and their family has not gotten to the point, it's not going to be easy. It, it, it's almost sometimes impossible because it takes almost seven to 11 generations to come to become just even just working class. That's mm -hmm. it. <laughs> and, you know, forget about middle class or upper class. It's like just working. Yeah. Early. You know, so I am the result of the work and sweat of all of my other ancestors to, you know, that had brought me all the way up to this point. So the, the thing is like, you have, you know, you have a lot to be proud of, Thanks. you know, you have a lot to be proud of. You've come a long way. Obviously you've been very, um, forthcoming with your story. And I appreciate you being honest with your story. Really. It, it's, it's important, which is why I wanted you to come here to really continue to that story needs to be continued to be passed along because there's others who share the same story or similar. And um, for me, I think you hit it right on the head when you talked about ownership, right? When it comes to the Afro Latino slash Afro Latinx, which I'm curious as to what your take is on that term, Latinx. But um, well, the X yeah. was added because of the LGBTQ, right? And um, I don't mind if I use Afro Latina, Afro Latinx. I think it includes everybody. I understand that some people do have an issue or they rather do Latino, Latina. You want to be more inclusive. Again, don't fall for the narrative of divide and conquer. Just bring everybody together. That's me. Um, yeah. Afro Latinx, that's what I do. And um, inclusivity, inclusivity. That's, that's what is coming up because at the, as I said, Está la fuerza en todos estar unidos. Exactly. That's, you know, yeah. that's what I say. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. You know, and I, I just, I know that, I, as I said, and early in my podcast, even the word Afro Latina, when you told me 10 years ago, five years ago, I would have told you, I don't feel comfortable with the word. But now, like when you sit down and learn, the thing is also, I got to speak for myself, and I think maybe also most Panamanians may relate to this. Um, by the time I was in school, but it was in 80s, 90s, history class completely erased the explanation of the Afro-Antillanos, West Indians. They started, the textbook said, they started with Cristobal Colón, and that's pretty much, and then other couple of things here and there. So... You know, that throws you off completely. And then when you really learn the real history, Santos, it makes you so mad. And it's like, no. I'm getting mad that, right now as you're telling me. It, it, it really makes you so mad because, you know, and then, then that's history. What about the things that you see, print, media, where you don't see myself, don't get me wrong, I love Barbie. I had a Barbie. But then... <laughs> When you were like a kid, I mean, I remember that I had this friend. I had a Barbie. Well, it's like I said, white and blonde here, whatever. My family or my grandmother, you know, nobody makes much out of it. But then I remember this friend of mine that she had a doll. Her doll was black with brown hair and everything. And I was like, I'm like, am I missing something? And this is me as a kid. 
And it's just the projection, representation matters, seeing yourself, seeing yourself through others, through, you know, it makes everything matters is a different. Um, and it makes you think differently, but then it's very difficult in certain way because my family, they're so diverse. You like Santos, you look like one of my cousins and it's just like, it just goes like a long rainbow and understanding. But it was very prevalent, thank God, because I had grandparents. I was lucky to meet my great grandparents that they will tell me, hey, this is where we come from and this is the history that we have. You know, that, that breaks my heart to hear that because when you, when you think of Panama, you think of diversity, right? You think of diversity, you think of a, a multi-rate people, anybody who knows, right? You think of multi-racial. You think of the indigenous people, you think of, you think yeah. of the Afro-Caribbean elements, you think, right, all of that. You think of Spanish, the Spaniards, you know, you think of all that stuff. Yeah, so it's like, how can I say, you know, when 25% of your own population is mostly black, and then, you know, they completely, I just learned recently, like we had a black Afro-descendant uh, president and I'm like, who, how come they never spoke about mm. it? I was like, wow. They erased, yeah, they try to erase these things from the history books. And um, it's psychological warfare. Yeah, so anyhow, you know, the good thing is that we're bringing it back. And the other good thing is that we're giving people their flowers. And, you know, the pioneers, the women the men also anybody that contributed to make the history and also especially haiti haiti yes. is the root of independence of all the rest yes. of that okay. yes. that's right haiti, that's right we weren't you know the independence and it's just given in you know a country that has gone through so hard has been punished so harsh for have done that you know so i definitely send my support to to the haitian people and um yeah it's learning, learning and re-educating yourself. I, the only thing I will definitely say is that I don't have anything, but I personally made the decision that I was not going to watch any more uh, enslaved or slavery, you know, kind of movies, because I think we're more than that. And yeah. I, and I find it really unfair for any actor or actresses, like, you know, this is the only roles that are available. Come on now. Yeah. You know, yeah. I agree with you. Can do better. And, and yeah, it, it, it gets me upset too, because not only that, but also the indigenous as well. You see the same yeah. thing with indigenous, right? Uh, um, you got plenty where they are the majority. They are, you go to South America, you go to Central America, the indigenous people are the majority, majority. Yeah. And they are not, they are not at all being represented in you name it, shows, films, telenovelas, unless it's help as the help servant, or if they are depicting other indigenous people in exactly. the time, la época de, you know, of the, de Colón y toda esa gente. So. Or like a, yeah, like a, you know, historic piece or something like that. I believe that, um, I don't have her name right now, but Aita, the one that they did that won the Oscar, um, she's in a, organization called mestizo power that actually they're talking about that 
they're talking about some people say well it comes to the producers it comes to the people that are putting the money for these productions the writers yeah there's yeah. many puzzles in 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 this to make it possible see i want to see and i agree with you i want to see the day and and you know god bless her she's a wonderful person what she represents but i want to see the day where that's just another actress you understand it's a big deal because of who she is and what she represented and she should be celebrated but i want to see like a hundred of her you know, know. because know. It, she got how why did it take so long for her to be have this success or for someone like her to have this success uh, an indigenous woman from mexico why did it take so long yeah and the heat that she got from it like and then oh it was the horrible same, the same people may say oh she doesn't represent me she ain't mexican or she doesn't i'm like oh my god but she stand tall and high and you know and as yeah. i said they're making it happen it's coming it's gonna happen it's gonna happen it's gonna happen and and you know it, me you know just to talk about myself for a second because i i yeah. told you one of the reasons why this means so much to me is because I, I'm very fair skinned. I identify as mixed because my family is very mixed. Um, from my, I have Afro ancestors as well. So that's why, for me, it means something. Like well, I have a side of my your DNA, like you say, you know that it's in your DNA. It is. It is. It's it's there. I did a DNA test. It's there. West Africa, is yeah. in there and North Africa too. And I'm also like 24% indigenous as well. So it's like, and I'm Spaniard and I'm Portuguese. So it's like, <laughs> so I, to me, I hold it very near and dear to my heart because I have to look at my grandmother. You know, mi abuela es de color, mi papá es de color. Ellos son de color, So like, you know, mis hermanos son de color. I'm lighter than them. They're They're darker than I am. You understand? So like my uncles, tengo tíos que son de color también. So it's like, yeah. you understand? So it's like, they're all an extension of me and I'm an extension of them. So like, but just because I look a certain way doesn't mean I'm one race. That's not how I look at myself. No, there's just, honestly, lo que existe es la raza humana. Hay diferentes etnias, y culturas que todos compartimos, but it's just like it's one human race, right? And it depends on location, and it's great. Honestly, you're like you are the greatest ally because you have the knowledge, you have the power in that sense that you like. Listen, I know what I know, and I'm gonna just make sure that I'm gonna really, you know, in within your space, within your, you know, that you can extend that education i love your thoughts i love when you are inspired and you give these you know thoughts about life and i really and it comes out so natural from your perspective how you put it together i appreciate that when i see your ig stories and your reels i i am like this guy gets it he gets it i no i appreciate that and, and a lot of what i do you know I appreciate that coming from you, especially because I, I hold a great deal of respect for you too. That's oh. why I had you here. It took a little while to come in, but you know, the schedules and everything, but um, 
a lot of what I do, you know, from my designs, from the stuff on my clothing, what I do, every I I do it in a way that's not. You ever see people like they're being very preachy and stuff? I'm not preachy. No. You, you know what I mean by that? By, by very the way that it comes to me is like es que res, you know it resonates so much because you're talking about common life you know moments episodes that we have to you know there's days that we don't have a good day and there's days that we just don't have it in us but then it's just like that reminder and when i see santos i'm like i literally smile because he's just you literally say what people are going through and sometimes you're having a good time too you know and may that be your brand and that's your message and that's what i try to do also i'm like everybody there's hay capacidad para todos hay espacio para todo para la que da la historia para la que hace visuales para la que cuenta la que canta y yo comparto you know i just bring the testimonies the testimonies of what people go through and say this is was my experience as a black person in the united states with this kind of heritage with this kind of appearance and that's how you know went along that's all i do and i learned a lot definitely Definitely, I I appreciate that. And you know, as I said, the best thing, the the biggest reward that I get out of my podcast is, dang, oh my god, I was not the only one. I was not the only one feeling this way. And I'm like, it, and that feeling of like, oh my god, it's not only me. I'm like, that is everything, everything. Definitely. No, that's, that's the best thing. That's the best validation you could ever receive is what the people, what that from the people, what the people give you. There's no, eso no tiene precio. No, de verdad que no. You know, when they say, oh my God, you nail it, you did right, oh, that's how I felt. And then when, you know, I'm sure you get it, like, I love your show. I'm so glad that I found your show. It's, it's like, that's what keeps me going. That's what yeah. keeps me going. So before... Before we go, let's just talk about, um, I guess I want you to just let the people know what you have going on next. What's next for your BD? Well, um, definitely, it's a good question. What's next? I want to take over the world. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, definitely, Chombita Chronicles continue. It, it, it's where really people really like it. You know, may that be in English or in Spanish. So I'm definitely putting more time to it. I am, um, I'm, I'm part of Clubhouse. I'm part of the Amigos Club. So if you're part of the Clubhouse app, check it out. There's a new division also under the Latinx side. That's another club, a house, another room. And there's the Afro-Latinx side too. So when is Latin? Oh, I froze. Okay, here we go. Go ahead. Go ahead. Continue. That's what editing is for. Latinx side and the Afro-Latinx side. And then I'm part of the Amigos Club. So I'm going to definitely be venturing there. They did an amazing job, Amigos, for the Black American History Month. And now they're doing great, great topics about Women's History Month. You know, and so, and actually we're coming up pretty soon to be festive with um, fechas, you know, dates for Afro-Latinx and the mes de la etnia negra, el mes de la mujer negra internacional. You know, there's so many things coming through. So I'm going to be part of like maybe either talking, moderating, 
in the Clubhouse app. I'm definitely working on my TikTok. <laughs> I'm working on my TikTok. And go ahead, I'm plug all your stuff. So you let everybody know. We're, we're gonna have everything on the on the podcast on the episode. Sweet. I'm working on my TikTok. You can find me active for sure on Instagram. I uh, that's how I met Santos, and he's a great person. So what else? I'm I'm looking for to document and create like a either it's maybe a, like an essay journal about my experience with Chombita Chronicles because the stories that I've been like talking about and you know people that have come to me and the experiences is just wow 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 so and um, my idea is to continue also reaching out to to those hit makers to the activists to the people that are making a difference in representation Favro Latinos are for multicultural I in my space it's all about community and how you are creating that impact in your community. And um, last but not least is hope, you know, continue with my media company and um, create a foundation for kids education. There's a generation of kids that are going to be left out in this whole technology world. They don't have access to a computer or coding. And that is driving me nuts. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I, I need for my niños de Centro America and Latin America to get a computer like in their hands. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's my biggest dream. Definitely. I mean, talk to me about when you're putting that, definitely let me know when you're putting okay. that into motion, because yeah. I definitely will be interested in, in helping with that as well. Yeah, it's possible, you know, it's, it's it's access it's access and as i say it's education and you have to reach out because you i know for a fact you know you say like no child left behind but no you know that's that's what touched my heart because through education is that's how we can definitely you know keep on going and succeed well said well said Joby D. <laughs> thank you so much i i appreciate you coming on we made it happen we made it happen. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for coming on. It was a pleasure. Um, and again, just anytime we're here, you, you, you already know, and I really appreciate you coming on and everything you're doing. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your space. Hello, everybody. And thank you for having me here. You're welcome. Take care. Thank you. Wow. That was great. Joby D. Um, you know, she, she has a really interesting perspective, what, what she does, and she's really passionate about the subject, obviously, um, based on her experiences as an Afro-Latina, um, as a Latina, as a woman of color in this country, uh, as someone who came from Panama, got education, worked her way up, great story of perseverance, and um, really, it was a really good, uh, great to converse with her, and I look forward to seeing what she has in store. So that was episode number 37. Uh, as always, here with you, Santos. Make sure you guys check out santos-threads.com. The spring collection is out right now. Check it out. Get 15% off of your first purchase. And again, don't just say what you mean or mean what you say. Say it with your chest. Peace. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah.